right, why don't you say we get a whole new week of talking about everything going on in the South underway. Okay, we'll take a vote. Sounds good. Unanimous it is. We are the Y'all Show, and for the next three hours, yours truly, John Rawl, will be sitting here moderating our Southern Conversation. This is the crossroads of great Southern talk, great Southern entertainment, great Southern insight, and great Southern just uniqueness. That's all I can say. I think you'll like the Y'all Show. And if you don't, let me know. And you can let me know whether you like it or you just don't like what we got going. We want to hear from you either way. Our text line is 803-816-1170. Love to hear from you. Our website, we are powered here at the Y'all Show by y'all.com. Y'all is the South's homepage. And we would love for you to go there see our great content. And we got a whole lot more coming at y'all.com. On this Getting Your Week Going edition of the show about Dixie, We've got headlines coming in from across the southeast that we'll be sharing with you, and we've got some stuff coming in, including information on a Southern Baptist sex abuse case, and a probe is going forward. I'll let you know what exactly is going on with the largest Protestant denomination here in the southeast. That's big news. We'll tell you about it. What's going on with the Haitian migrants as the United States government is evidently launching a mass expulsion of migrants. I heard maybe thousands of Haitians were gathered under bridges in South Texas. What 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 is this all about? Also, President Biden, when he's not getting questions, if he is getting questions about Haitian migrants, he's at least going on the offenses against some of our great Southern political people, including... Tate Reeves of Mississippi, President Biden over the weekend calling out the Mississippi governor, and he's doing it publicly. We will discuss that in our news headlines from the Southeast. Also, Sunday was a little shaky in the Sooner State. They had three earthquakes in northwest Oklahoma Sunday. I'll let you know a little bit more about those things. Also, two people known for their YouTube channel based in North Alabama, the Alabama Pickers, both the man and the woman from that have both died of COVID-19. I'll fill you in on that. Plus, in hour two today, I'm going to let you know about how you can't be a drinking when you're heading down to the world's largest outdoor cocktail party and you're a Georgia Bulldog fan and you want to stop off at St. Simon's and have a good couple of cocktails at the end of October. You can't do it at the beach. We got a new city ordinance that's gone into effect at the end of October for all your dog fans trying to go down and be in your best spirit when you take on the Florida Gators. (laughs) We'll let you know about that. The two-headed snake known as Harvey has died at the Audubon Zoo in New Orleans. I'll fill you in with that information hour number two before we get out of here today in our news headlines what a touching story coming in from greenville south carolina a man has gone from being homeless himself to helping feed the homeless we'll share that information also a touching story coming from east tennessee a hotel in pigeon forge has left a hotel room there for a couple that were repeat customers 
at the Ride Run, and that's held this time of year in Pigeon Forge. And I'll fill you in on why this hotel did that and the kind of sad but bittersweet story about this hotel there in Pigeon Forge. All that's coming on today's Y'all Show in terms of our news headlines. Also on today's show about the Southeast, boy, we got to work through all of the football talk from this past weekend. College football was at times a little little sketchy. Weren't sure if Clemson was going to be able to pull it out against Georgia Tech. Was not sure if Alabama was going to go on the road and win in the swamp. How about some of the drama? Little Hail Mary in Ruston, Louisiana. And it didn't go so well for the home team. We will talk about how Chattanooga had Kentucky fans on the edge of their seats all afternoon long. Good job, Mox. We'll have all of that in our look back at some college football this hour. We also have coming up after this news headline section of the Y'all Show first hour, we're going to look back at the second week of the NFL. Some great games on Sunday. Some games that went down to the wire. Some games that went into overtime. And how about some of your teams that got off the map? Teams that lost week one and they found a way to get into the win column on Sunday. And I'm looking at you Dallas Cowboys. I'm looking at you Tennessee Titans. Both with impressive wins on the left coast. That is part of our NFL recap that we'll be getting to a little bit later here this hour. And before hour one is in the history books, we're going to look at Southern history here this hour as we wrap up our first hour talking each Monday, each beginning of the week edition of the Y'all Show about our great Southern history. Today, here is the overview, if you will. Kids, get ready to write this down in your planners because this is what we'll be discussing at the end of this first hour in terms of our Southern history and history makers We will be talking today about a guy named John Marshall. And surely to goodness, you've heard of America's fourth chief justice and the fourth U.S. Secretary of State. He was a Virginian. And I'm going to tell you all about John Marshall and why we're talking about him this hour. How about a lady that was a Marylander and she was a first lady? First Lady Margaret Taylor. The wife of President Zachary Taylor was born this week back in 1788, and she was first president for Zachary Taylor, 1849 and 1850. I'll let you know more about this Calvert County, Maryland native, Margaret Taylor. Also, this week in history, it was the Battle of Chickamauga in northwest Georgia, a Confederate victory there in 1863. A couple of literary figures born this week in history we'll be telling you more about later in this hour. How about Thomas Stearns Elliott, a.k.a. T.S. Elliott, born 1888 this week in St. Louis. And we'll let you know more about this poet, essayist, publisher, and more, T.S. Lewis. Also born this week, another giant in Southern literary figures world. It's William Faulkner's birthday this week. As William Faulkner was born September 25th, 1897, not in Yachna, Patapha County. He was born actually in Union County, Mississippi, where New Albany is. And we'll talk a little bit more about William Cuthbert Faulkner, who died in 1962 at the age of 64, 
the Nobel Prize winning literature guy and just a writing force from Oxford, Mississippi, ultimately is where William Faulkner settled. We'll let you know about William Faulkner. Also, speaking of the great state of Mississippi, born in 1936 in Greenville, Mississippi. This week, born September 24th of 1936, was Jim Henson, the Muppets creator. Jim Henson died in 1990, but who knew that the Muppets were born in Mississippi? I'll let you know about that. Also, this week, we remember the order from Dwight D. Eisenhower to have the Little Rock Nine enroll at Little Rock Central High School. That happened this week in 1957, and I'll share with you more of that story from our nation's history in a little bit here as we get close to the end of this first hour. That's all coming your way on Talk with a Accent on All Things Southern. Let's get into all of the fun of the headlines here of the Y'all Show and all the news of the headlines of the Southeast today. And a story that came out over the weekend, Reverend Marshall Blaylock is going to be taking over the reins of a task force that the Southern Baptist Convention has formed. This pastor from South Carolina serves as vice chair of this recently formed Southern Baptist Convention task force charged with overseeing an investigation into how a top denominational committee handled sex abuse allegations a review that comes years into the Southern Baptist Convention's public reckoning with the sex abuse scandal. Pastor Blaylock, he thinks that the work of the task force, which was set into motion back in June when the SBC got together in Nashville at their national convention, he thinks it could be a very big part of how the Southern Baptist Convention addresses issues in the future. Now, this sex abuse scandal within the Southern Baptist Church, we're not talking about the Catholics in this case, it's the Southern Baptists. This scandal got in the spotlight big time back in 2019 when a report was put out in the Houston Chronicle and the San Antonio Express News, and it documented hundreds of cases in Southern Baptist churches, including several of which alleged perpetrators actually stayed in the ministry. According to the new SBC President Ed Litton, the seven-member task force of pastoral, legal, counseling, and advocacy professionals is charged with overseeing an outside firm's probe of allegations that the Southern Baptist Convention Executive Committee mishandled abuse cases, it resisted reforms, and it intimidated victims and advocates. More to come on this very disturbing story going on with the Southern Baptist Convention, the largest Protestant denomination in the country, I think, but definitely here in the South. And this probe going forward, again, with a South Carolina pastor leading the way, and that is Reverend Marshall Blaylock in charge of this task force looking into the abuse. The United States has launched a massive expulsion of Haitian migrants, and they've done this from a Texas border town, Del Rio, Texas as these Haitians had been camped out in Del Rio, right on the Rio Grande, and they were there, and the United States government has now flown these Haitians that were camped out back to Haiti and have tried blocking others from crossing the border from Mexico in a show of force that signaled the beginning of what could be one of America's swiftest large-scale expulsions of migrants or refugees in decades. Now, 
I don't see how this hasn't been a bigger story. I don't I can't imagine how Joe Biden isn't catching lots of grief from this because Haiti has been a complete disaster on so many fronts, some of it not, not their fault. They've seen an assassination of their president. They've had earthquakes. They've had hurricanes. It is the most unstable and most third-world country in the Western Hemisphere, in my opinion, certainly in the Americas. And now, over 300 Haitians sent back to Port-au-Prince on a three-flight deal. And these Haitian migrants, again, because I just mentioned earthquakes, hurricanes, your chief executive assassinated I'm, coronavirus, for goodness sake, also there. These hundreds of people made their way to America, and now they're being flown back. That's, I would say they, more than anybody, probably represent refugees, rep, represent a asylum-seeking group because their lives truly were in danger back in Haiti. And let's not let's not kid ourselves. Haiti is a Caribbean country and it's essentially completely black. And I can't imagine how the Democratic Party is allowing Joe Biden's administration to send probably a hundred percent of these being black people, I'm assuming, out of the country. Not letting them come to this country. That's why this one is a really unusual thing to see this coming from the Biden administration. So more to come on this, but I saw a report somewhere that there were a whole bunch of these Haitian migrants and maybe other migrants that were camped out under bridges in South Texas, probably because of the heat. But they were there in that area, and it was just an unfortunate thing and not a good story, but a story that's not really being told all that much in my opinion but that's the story from the weekend as haitian migrants booted from the country at least in this case only a couple hundred but likely thousands more may have the same fate president biden we do have a president biden spotting a spotting he's called out mississippi's governor reeves over a disagreement with vaccine mandates the president singled out Tate Reeves over criticism for his vaccine mandates as President Biden over the weekend singled out this governor by saying some governors attack me and they're in states with the strictest vaccine mandates for children attending school in the entire country. For example, in Mississippi, again, these are Joe Biden's words. In Mississippi, children are required to be vaccinated against measles, mumps, rubella, chicken pox, hepatitis B, polio, tetanus, and more. These are state requirements. But in the midst of a pandemic that's already taken more than 660,000 lives, I propose a requirement for COVID vaccines, and the governor of that state calls it, quote, a tyrannical-type move. A tyrannical-type move? This is worst kind of politics because it's putting the lives of citizens in their states including children at risk and I refuse to get into it 
Now, Tate Reeves, governor of Mississippi, responded to President Biden on Twitter. He said, quote, it is a tyrannical move, Mr. President. Huge difference between laws passed by state's legislative body with input of the people versus one man threatening American workers' ability to feed their family. If you can't comprehend that, you're in the wrong job or the wrong country. Woo! Tate Reeves, who uh, to some is affectionately called Tater Tot Reeves, talking smack with Joe Biden right there in Jackson, Mississippi. How about that? I don't know where Joe Biden was when he called out Tate Reeves. If it was part of a statement or was it maybe out of public appearance over the weekend or something like that, but he, the president, not necessarily holding back against some of these Republican leaders. And the Republican leaders are going to be catching more and more grief as these numbers go up. DeSantis in Florida, he continues to get lots of negative headlines now. Tate Reeves, Governor Abbott in Texas. Now that Gavin Newsom has survived the impeachment, or it's not impeachment there, it's the recall, same thing, kind of, sort of, that's galvanized maybe some of these pundits out there to call out these Republicans who've had their own way of doing things, and the numbers are going up. Is it because of the policies some of these governors have had on on mask wearing or and or, I should say, and or wearing masks indoors. The school issue for each of these governors has been very varied, very varied across the country, frankly. And it's made for tough times. It's definitely not a good thing. But I want to repeat here, I do believe probably the most valid reason that we can prove of why so many people voted against President Trump was the death rate, the death number of COVID-19 victims in the country. And around the time Donald Trump left office, 400,000 Americans had died from COVID-19. Well, we're now almost at 700,000. So in eight months, we've seen nearly 300,000 Americans die under Joe Biden's watch. And if you thought that voting for Biden was going to get rid of the COVID-19 thing, you, you got another thing coming. I'm not saying that was a common justification, but I know I heard that. They they criticized Trump so much so because 400,000 Americans died in the eight or nine months that he had been president and the, then the election happened in November we're essentially at that same spot now with Joe Biden and it's not quite the same amount but it's not that far and every life counts every life counts and it's a very sad statement here to tell you that according to the reports I'm seeing we're almost at 700,000 dead Americans and a lot of these now have happened under Joe Biden's watch here in the last 8 months Sad story coming out of Monticello, Georgia. That's sort of in central Georgia, southeast of Atlanta. Three people killed when a helicopter crashed in dense woods of a national wildlife preserve near Monticello, Georgia. 
a Robinson R-66 helicopter, scattered debris over a path 120 feet long, according to a high-energy impact report here. An air safety investigator with the NTSB has given us this 125 feet long high energy impact report. Two pilots and a passenger died in the crash. The identities not known. The helicopter took off from Thomasville. That's about 200 miles south of the crash site. And it was reported missing about two hours later. The weather during the flight was rainy with low crowd, low clouds and reduced visibility. Search teams combed the woods and Jasper County, Georgia, and they discovered the wreckage at the end of last week. Again, three dying in a helicopter crash in Monticello, Georgia, in the last few days. How about this Mother Nature story? It comes to us from the state of Oklahoma. Three earthquakes have shaken northwest Oklahoma on Sunday. Three almost simultaneous, but not exactly the same earthquake. The United States Geological Survey, USGS, shows that these happen late Sunday. The earthquakes range from a 3.1 to a 4.1 in magnitude, and they happened a few miles east of Naskatunga, Oklahoma. That is in Alfalfa County in way northwest. I guess that would be the panhandle of Oklahoma. But yes, northwest Oklahoma getting a little shaky Sunday Hopefully everybody got through it okay. Hopefully their pots and pans got through it okay. Back to a COVID-related story as we close up our look at headlines from across the southeast. The Alabama pickers have both died from COVID-19. The Alabama pickers were a YouTube couple, if you will, known for reselling, and they also were known for their vaccine opposition. And they lived in Huntsville. It was Dusty and Tristan Graham. And they would post videos on their social media accounts and more about various tips and tricks to reselling vintage items, including clothing and home decor. They sold on eBay. Maybe you'd seen them. Bama 4348 was their eBay username. Now, the wife died a couple of weeks back. Dusty, the husband, He died at the end of last week, three weeks after Tristan died. And now there's been a GoFundMe page set up by one of their children. As Windsor Graham posted, Unfortunately, Dusty and Tristan have both passed away. Thank you for all your kind words and helping us during this difficult time. We will be using the money to pay for funeral expenses. One of the last videos, this couple, again, their nickname, the Alabama Pickers. One of their last videos they put up had them talking about the vaccine, how they would not get the vaccine. That YouTube channel has now been taken down. Dusty said in the video, I don't want to talk about this, frankly because we never know as human beings the time, the place, or anything and I've said before it's probably a good thing to get the vaccine I'm not here to tell you to force it that's up to you but here are two Alabamians I would assume both of them in their 40s husband and wife and they're both dead 
and they went into ICU and, and died. And good news, GoFundMe goal has gone over the amount they were looking for. They've raised over $35,000 to help out the family there with the funerals. Both of these folks now dead from COVID-19. Sad, sad story. And so many sad, sad stories. I got a text at 3.30 over the weekend from a very close college friend of mine, guy who's helped me out many times, helped me out here in the last couple of weeks, frankly. We don't even live within 10 hours of each other, but very close college buddy. His mother died early Saturday morning. She was diagnosed with COVID on Friday, and within 12, 14 hours, she had died. I don't know much more. I don't know if there were symptoms before. I don't know, but I just know he said she was diagnosed Friday. She was going to go in on Saturday morning. She had an appointment to get that shot you can get to kind of help with your antibodies or something like that. She had an appointment for that. She never made it to that because somewhere in the night it got so bad that the ambulance had to come and she died within 24 hours of being testing positive of, of having COVID-19. It's a horrible thing. We need prayers. We need That's the only thing I can tell you that the whole world needs at this point to get past this. It is truly awful. And we will tell you the good and bad of COVID-19 and everything else going on across the southeast right here on this show that we call the y'all show mrs thompson i didn't have a chance to meet you but thank you for raising a great son and the pig is one of my greatest friends and there's plenty of mrs thompson's out there who are unfortunately these numbers of nearly 700,000 americans who died of covid 19 we'll take a break when we come back we will talk about the weekend in nfl football that is among the southern sports headlines of the day and that's coming up next by texting 64,000, you agree to receive recurring automated marketing messages from babel message and data rates may apply no purchase required terms apply available at babel.com tnc have you tried learning a new language but it never seems to stick that's because there's more to language than learning vocab words Babbel is different. Babbel's multiple ways to learn helps you explore every aspect of a new language, anytime, right from your phone or computer. Practice real-life conversations in the Babbel app. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? Get personalized help from an instructor in Babbel's live online classes. Classes are limited to six people. We keep them small so everyone can get the help and practice they need. Review words and phrases with fun games. Or dive into the culture with short videos. Whatever your learning motivation, Babbel gives you the tools you'll need to explore your new language. With Babbel, you can speak a new language. Babbel. More ways to explore. More ways to learn. Text Babbel to 64000 to start learning a new language today. Text Babbel to 64000. B-A-B-B-E-L to 64000. Trucking, 
Continuing on with this first hour of the show that it is all about the Southeast, and we welcome your calls and text 803-816-1170. That is how you can get in touch with y'all. Hey, how about week two of the NFL? It did not disappoint. And on Sunday, among the games played, how about the Chicago Bears? Bears. I bet they do have beers at uh, the Soldier Field surrounding there. Joe Burrow could have used a beer after the game. His Bengals dropped a one and one. Joe Burrow threw three interceptions on three straight passes as the Bengals could not come back and they go down in flames there at Soldier Field. Now, Justin Fields ended up going into the game. Andy Dalton went out with an injury. Gosh, did you see Andy Dalton's face? He's got that red beard, got that red hair. And Fields ends up getting the victory. It was not a pretty win for Chicago, but the Monsters of the Midway get their first victory of the year, 20-17 to over Cincinnati. It was a game that was somewhat close at times, also not too all that far away from Chicago. In Cleveland, the Browns, winners 31-21 over the Houston Texans. In Cleveland, which fell to Kansas City week one, they get their first win of the year, Texans dropped to one and one. Tyrod Taylor had some injury woes. Not sure if he will be quarterback and when Houston's back at home for their game Thursday night. It's a Thursday night matchup between the Houston Texans and the Carolina Panthers. Rams able to go on the road and they move to two and zero. Matthew Stafford threw a couple of touchdowns, including one to Cooper Cup, and the Rams move to two and zero after defeating the zero and two Indianapolis Colts. 27-24. A butt whooping in Miami as the Buffalo Bills blank the Miami Dolphins 35 nothing. This game was a domination. If you're a Dolphin fan, I don't know what to tell you today. you got to be pretty embarrassed about what happened there in Miami Gardens over the weekend. The New England Patriots, Mac Jones looked mighty good. He and Damian Harris together helping the New England Patriots move to 1-1. One they get the easy win over the New York Jets. And Zach Wilson of the Jets threw a couple of interceptions. Never a good thing. Patriots get their first win of the year. The Jets drop to 0-2 after the Pats win 25-6. San Fran looked mighty good again. Back on the road for a second straight week. They found themselves in the city of brotherly love. And the 49ers got a 17-11 victory. A good 10-point Margin on the scoreboard in the final period was enough for them to prevail over the Eagles. Boy, Derek Carr, he bounced back from what looked like a pretty nasty injury. And there in the Steel City Sunday, Derek Carr helped the Las Vegas Raiders move to 2-0 as they won Monday night. They come back on Sunday, early game Sunday on the road, and they beat the Steel City Steelers 26-17. to Jameis Winston did not look very good. He got a lot of pressure. And that Carolina Panther defense really lit up Jameis. They really lit up most of the Saints. And in the end, Sam Darnold passing for more than 300 yards and the Panther defense, their defense combined helped the Panthers move to 2-0 and with a big game there at Bank of America Stadium. The New Orleans Saints, after that 
just absolute beatdown they had over the Green Bay Packers looked like a completely different team. Now, keep in mind, New Orleans was down a bunch of assistant coaches who were dealing with COVID. They've had to live out of a suitcase for a couple of weeks now. Panthers better take a win over New Orleans when they can get them, and Carolina did just that with a 26-7 victory on Sunday. The Denver Broncos went on the road, moved to 2-0, as it was a bad home debut for Trevor Lawrence and the Jags. He did throw for a touchdown pass. In fact, he threw two, or he at least threw two, (laughs) correction, Trevor Lawrence threw two interceptions against the Broncos, and in the end, the Broncos beat Jacksonville 23-13 to Sunday. Arizona Cardinals still look mighty nice. They just were able to get past Minnesota, but that counts. 34-33, Kyler Murray got four touchdowns in this victory over Minnesota there from, is it still State Farm Stadium? I think that's what it was called. They change these things so much if you understand the way business works. Tom Brady looked pretty nice as he was able to torch the Atlanta Falcons with five touchdown passes Sunday afternoon, and the Bucks moved to 2-0. and They're tied with the Panthers atop the NFC South, 48-25 to Bucks over the Atlanta Falcons. Some drama at SoFi Stadium in that game between the Cowboys and the Chargers there in Inglewood, California. The Cowboys with a 56-yard field goal from Zerline there as time expired, and that big 56-yard field goal was true. Dallas picks up its first win of the year, 20-17, to over Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers. Another game played Sunday. This was maybe the best game of the afternoon as the Tennessee Titans – in that left coast matchup they had there in Seattle. The Seahawks and Russell Wilson had a pretty good commanding lead over Derrick Henry and company. But in the end, Henry catches fire. He scored three touchdowns, and Coach Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans pick up a win in overtime, 33-30. to Big win for the Tennessee Titans. Monday night football from Lambeau Field. It's the Lions and the Green Bay Packers. ESPN will be covering this one. It's an 8-15 Eastern, 7-15 Central start. If you want to check this out on ESPN, Lions and Packers, both of these teams entering this matchup in the home opener at Lambeau, 0-1. Somebody's got to win this one. Watch out for the Lions. They look rather impressive, I thought, although they lost to the Niners week one. Don't sleep on Detroit. Maybe this could be the Cinderella team this year. Maybe they can get their first Super Bowl. They've never been, and they're one of the NFL's oldest franchises, the Lions. And I'm not lying. When we come back, we will switch over and bring you up to speed on the fun from the college football action of this past weekend and an update on the rankings of college football teams. That's all ahead on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Deb's constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating kept giving her grief. She talked to her doctor to get some relief. Turns out Deb had irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBSC, which was a start. Saying yes to Linzess helped her do her part. 
Linzess, or linaclotide, is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, Stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Talk to a doctor today. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at Linzess.com or call 1-800-L-I-N-Z-E-S-S. Sponsored by Avian Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. Well, I saw it. I had threatened that I would see a Matt Corral for Heisman sticker, and I saw it just the other day. And, in fact, after his performance from this past weekend against Tulane, you might see Matt Corral stickers all over your neighborhood. We're back on the Y'all Talk Show, and Corral is the quarterback of the Mississippi Land Sharks. They look mighty impressive with their absolute beatdown of the Tulane Green Wave in a rain-soaked Lafayette County and Vault-Hemingway Stadium was the scene Saturday night. And when you beat Tulane, you move up four spots. And the Land Sharks find themselves currently ranked number 13 after the new AP poll was released following this past weekend's action. So the Southern spin on the AP poll, Auburn did move down, but boy, they put up a gallant fight there at Happy Valley. Auburn is the number 23 team in the country as they're now sitting at 2-1. and one. UNC did not move up or down, but boy, what a great win they had there at Keenan Stadium, defeating UVA for the first time in quite some time. UNC now ranked number 21, and they're 2-1 and one overall. The Coastal Carolina Chanticleers won on the road at Buffalo, but the Chanticleers now dropping down to 17 after the weekend road trip. Arkansas moved up four spots. Arkansas is now 3-0. and They had a pretty good home win against the Georgia Southern Eagles. Number 16, Sam Pittman and his Hoggies. The Mississippi Land Sharks are at number 13. The Florida Gators did not move up or down, although they did lose at home to the Crimson Tide. Two and one is the overall record for UF. They're number 11 in the country. Clemson moved three spots in the bad side of the ledger. Clemson now moving to nine from six last week. Clemson just escaped in a home game against the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Your top 10 includes Ohio State at 10, Clemson at 9. The Cincinnati Bearcats went on the road, and they won at Indiana. Cincinnati's ranked number 8. The Aggies of Texas A&M did not move up or down this past week. Aggies, after defeating New Mexico, they're 3-0 and and ranked number 7. Penn State with that victory over Auburn. PSU ranked number 6 this week. Iowa's number 5. Oklahoma dropped the spot as they are now number 4 after they had a kind of a close, closer-than-expected matchup with their old Big 8 rival, Nebraska. OU is at four. Oregon is ranked number three in the land. They moved up a spot this week. 
Georgia stays steady at number two and number one in the country, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Alabama, after that victory, a closer than many people expected victory over the Florida Gators. Coach Saban now calling his Alabama defense. They said He said they had mental errors, and their win, this was a victory, but Coach Saban calling out his D, saying they had too many mental errors. And Coach Mullen of the Gators hopes to get one more shot at the Tide, and he hopes that will be at the SEC championship game. One game that featured a team not in the top 25, not in the top 25 for even the victor. Did you see that Memphis-Mississippi State game? Well, the SEC had a crew officiating this game at the Liberty Bowl, a game that the Memphis Tigers won due in part to a 94-yard punt return touchdown. The SEC has admitted that the crew there had multiple mistakes in that punt return. And if I were Mississippi State, I'd be pretty teed right now that you ended up losing two points, 31-29 to the Memphis Tigers. Another special teams just embarrassment that led an SEC team to lose to the Memphis Tigers. And that a statement put out over the week weekend from the SEC about this officiating era. And again, it was an SEC crew on the scene there at the Liberty Bowl when Memphis was able to get their latest victory over a Power 5 school, in this case, the Mississippi State Bulldogs. And that's a look at some college action and college news and notes here in our college section of this first hour. When we come back, we're going to wrap up hour one with a look at some good Southern history, some people having birthdays in our Southern history. We'll have that when the Y'all Show continues. It's been tough talking to my doctor about constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. I finally laid all my symptoms out there and how they keep coming back. She said I may have irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBSC. We agreed. It's time to try something different. Linzess, or linaclotide, is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Visit a doctor in person or online. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Sponsored by Abby and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. This is the Y'all Show. We're going to wrap up hour number one with a quick look at some Southern history here on the Y'all Show. This guy was born September 24th in the year 1755, born in Germantown, which was then part of the Virginia colony of British America. We are today saluting birthday boy John Marshall, a politician and lawyer 
who was the fourth Chief Justice of the United States, serving from 1801 until he died in 1835. And John Marshall remains the longest-serving Chief Justice and fourth-longest-serving Justice in Supreme Court history. And a lot of things named after John Marshall, the native Virginian, born this week in 1755, again dying in 1835. Born this week in Calvert County, Maryland, Margaret Smith. Who's Margaret Smith? She was a first lady of the United States from 1849 to 1850. She was the wife of President Zachary Taylor. And again, born this week, right after the American Revolutionary War came to a head or came to an end. 1788 was the year she was born in Calvert County, Maryland. The Battle of Chickamauga in Georgia happened this week in 1863. This was a huge battle there in northwest Georgia. It included casualties of over 16,000 for each side. The North had over 1,600 killed. The South had 2,300 killed. This was a Confederate victory for Braxton Bragg's Confederate troops, his army of Tennessee, as they defeated William Rosecrans' Army of the Cumberland. Ultimately, the North would find a way to keep on trucking toward Atlanta, and ultimately, before Christmas, Atlanta and other areas of the South fell, although maybe I'm wrong on my timeline here. Uh, I know Atlanta fell, I can assure you that, but it might have been later in 1864 when that happened, the Battle of Atlanta. 1863, though, was the Battle of Chickamauga, just south of Chattanooga, Tennessee. T.S. Eliot was born this week in 1888. He was a SAS publisher, playwright, and more. A lot of people know the work of T.S. Eliot. Thomas Stearns Eliot, born in St. Louis, Missouri, this week in 1888. Also born another heck of a writer, William Faulkner. William Faulkner, born this week in 1897 in New Albany, Mississippi. He died in 1962, the Nobel Prize in Literature winner for 1949, a Pulitzer winner, 1955. Again, his great works include The Sound and the Fury and also Absalom, Absalom, and As I Lay, As I Lay Dying, one of our great Southern writers of all time, William Faulkner, born this week in, in 1897, September 25th is William Faulkner's birthday. I'm sure they'll have a big cake there at Roanoke in Oxford. Jim Hitson, he is a Mississippi native, Jim Hitson, the American puppeteer who created the Muppets. And he was born this week in Greenville, Mississippi, raised right down the road in Leland, Mississippi. And Jim Hitson, born September 24th of 1936, he died in 1990. Also, this week in Southern history, we remember the Little Rock Nine. It was this week in 1957 that President Eisenhower ordered the 101st Airborne to go in and help get this Little Rock Nine enrolled in school. And that happened this week in 1957. The Little Rock Nine, the group of black students who wanted to enroll at Little Rock Central High School. And that ended up happening. And that was, I think, I think I'm right on this, the first at least contested integration of a school that ended up happening. There may have been other schools where there wasn't much of a contested deal by government and more. Of course, this followed Brown versus Board of Education and that ruling from 1954. But the Little Rock Nine and President Eisenhower at that time's order 
for the National Guard or the 101st Airborne, I believe it was, to go in and get that happening happen this week in 57. That wraps up Hour 1 of y'all. We got Hour 2 ahead. Jerry Short's coming up. And we have Hour 3 ahead. That sounds like a lot of fun, doesn't it? Well, thank you for listening to y'all. We'll be right back to bring you all of that fun. We're back with another hour loaded up with good Southern conversation. Hey, the king of Southern conversation. I would like to be that have that title, but I'm not sure I can outrank Sergeant Short. <laughs> Jerry Short is our Takapola storyteller. And you know what? The guy that's got the gift of gab is going to be on in just a few minutes as he's going to be filing his Takapola storyteller report for this week. His weekly time with us is fast approaching. So get ready. For Jerry Short here this hour. Also, as we wrap up this hour, Melissa Rhodes will be stopping by with a Southern Accent Report, and she's talking Southern food as we close out this second hour. And then we got a whole nother hour beyond this hour. Thank you for joining us here. We are the Y'all Show. My name is the General of All Things Southern. I'm General John Rawl, CSA Certified Southern American. And you can reach us here at the Y'all Show. Our text line is 803-816-1170. You can email us. And I'm over here checking this thing nonstop. So come on. Let me hear from you guys. Let me hear you. Mail, M-A-I-L, at Y-A-L-L dot com. It is y'all. And we are powered by the South's homepage y'all.com that's y-a-l-l dot com so easy for you to connect to us and we're looking forward to hearing from you let's start out this hour of our conversation about dixie with some more headlines across the southeast and man i hate to tell you all this story i hate to tell all you in red and black and orange and blue about this story because it's heartbreaking officials are banning alcohol at a Georgia beach for the weekend of the Florida-Georgia or Georgia-Florida game, or better yet, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. (laughs) Officials are banning alcohol at the beach at St. Simons Island, October 29th and 30th. The Glenn County Commission voting 6-1 to to prohibit possession or consumption of booze on the beach at St. Simon's at the end of October. That's when I think it's almost all Georgia Bulldog fans end up camping out at St. Simon's for a few days as they truck on down to Jacksonville for the big football game. And that big football game, of course, features Kirby Smart's Georgia Bulldogs, currently ranked number two in the country. And they will be facing off against the Florida Gators, who I think come in at number 11 in the country. Great effort by the Gators against Alabama. But unfortunately for Gator fans, the tide drowned them after it was all over with there in the swamp. But yeah, I would assume that if you're coming from the north, you're probably a Georgia Bulldog fan if you're going to be camping out at St. Simon's Island. And again, the Glenn County commissioners, I don't want to be answering their telephones 
when the end of October comes because they're going to have some upset upset fans. The island has become a hot spot for dog fans as they go down to Gainesville. One thing I will say about Georgians, they're pretty loyal to their Georgia beaches. And frankly, there's only about two choices. You got St. Simons and then you got Jekyll Island right there around Savannah. And that's about it. Maybe there's one or two, maybe not as big. But Georgians love to go down to those spots and not necessarily drive over to the South Carolina beaches. I don't think they go down to the Florida beaches as much as they go to their own. And I also find Alabamians are the same way. They generally try to go down to Orange Beach or Gulf Shores more than they try to go to Destin. And I know a lot go to Destin, but it seems like Alabamians are very loyal to their couple of beaches they've got. That's just what I've discovered. Maybe if you get in trouble, if you're an in-state person in a place like St. Simons and or on Orange Beach in Alabama, the local authorities will be a little nicer to you if you get, uh, let's say, in in the Hooskow for some reason. But yes, the commissioner there is named Cap Fending, and the commissioner of Glenn County in Georgia, where St. Simons is, he says he hopes the alcohol ban is going to reduce the need for police and other public safety personnel at St. Simons Beach, and hopefully they're doing this. I think it's not to restrict alcohol. They're doing this to help restrict the growth and spread of COVID-19, and that's the purpose of this ban. A six-to-one vote by the Glenn County commissioners to prohibit possession or consumption of alcohol on the beach at St. Simons Island only on October 29 and 30. I guess you can go out there on Halloween and just get sloppy drunk if you would like to. And you know what, Georgia Bulldog fans? If you end up losing for the second straight year to the Florida Gators, you probably need to get sloppy drunk on October 31st and and cry your sorrows out that those Gators, your hated rival, just might end up back in your home state's state capital of Atlanta playing in the SEC championship representing the SEC East. Or you could be celebrating come October 31st after a nice win over the Florida Gators. But that's the news out of the coast of Georgia here. A sad story coming to us from the city of New Orleans. The Audubon Zoo in New Orleans has announced the death of Harvey. Harvey was a two-headed snake. And this thing got a lot of traction here in the last couple of months as a photo went out on social media showing Harvey, the two-headed gopher snake, and he has gone on to the great snake pit in the sky. As the Audubon Zoo of New Orleans announcing on Facebook, Harvey will be missed dearly. Please keep our herpetology team and the many others who loved Harvey in your thoughts. Hmm, how about that? Harvey was named after the Batman villain Harvey Dent, also known as Two-Face, and he was donated to the Audubon Zoo in August 2008 by Nicolas Cage. How about that? Way to go, actor Nicolas Cage, who helped Harvey get into the cage at the Audubon Zoo. Harvey's passing was due to health issues related to Harvey's old age. He was believed to be around 14 years old, and there's... A whole lot more about Harvey. He became kind of a rather popular snake there at Audubon Zoo of New Orleans. And you know what? They always say two heads are better than one. And Harvey, the two-headed snake, 
was one heck of a snake that lived out his golden years at the Audubon Zoo there in the Crescent City. And I hope those of you who saw this snake over the last few years had a good time, maybe got a good snapshot. I don't know how you're allowed to have two heads. I don't know how the genetics work out to be that way. And I can't imagine a human ever having two heads, but I guess we kind of sort of have that with the, was it conjoined twins or something like that? I mean, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what the uh, term is, but yes, we definitely have had a two-headed snake, at least in this country, in this region. And Harvey was that two-headed snake. Again, hopefully everybody in New Orleans will be able to get through this tough news item of the day. We are y'all talk with a Southern accent. You know what? We have a lot more. A guy that's got not necessarily two heads, but it sounds at times like he's got two mouths because he lets his mouth do the talking. And and we are ready for him to do that. Jerry Short is our Takapola storyteller. And Jerry is coming on with us right after this break. You don't want to miss out on the fun. No telling what he's going to be talking about. Before the hour is up, Melissa Rhodes, she's got a southern accent on good-tasting southern food. Can't wait for that. All that is ahead. 803-816-1170 is how you can text us here at Talk with a Southern Accent. Deb's constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating kept giving her grief. She talked to her doctor to get some relief. Turns out Deb had irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBSC, which was a start. Saying yes to Linzess helped her do her part. Linzess or linaclotide is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than six, and it should not be given to children six to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, Stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Talk to a doctor today. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at Linzess.com or call 1 800 L I N Z E S S. Sponsored by Avian Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. GTG, BRB, OMW, be there in a few. You may think that these kinds of texts are fine because of their length, and you can easily send them at a stoplight. But no, answering one text can take your attention away from the road for five seconds. And traveling at 55 miles an hour, that's enough time to travel the length of a football field. Make good decisions. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Project Yellow Light. Noise and the Ad Council. Born on a mountaintop in Tennessee, the greenest state in the land of the free. Raised in the woods, so he knew every tree. Killed him a bar when he was only three. Davy, Davy Crockett. King of the wild frontier Davy, Davy Crockett King of the wild frontier Oh, Mr. Crockett, a fine Tennessean who ended up dying in Texas of all places. We're back on the Y'all 
Show. I'm John Rawl. I'm joined now by the teller of all tales. He's not from Tennessee, but he's not too far. A few hollers away, if you will, from the Volunteer State. He is from Takapola, USA. And Jerry Short drops by here on Mondays to let us know what all's going on in Takapola and around the South. And we are so excited that he has taken a moment to join us right here on the show about the Southeast. And Jerry, I don't know if you were around the Southeast the last few days. It seemed to be raining all over the place. Oh, gosh, Uh, Mr. Roth. We had uh, flood warnings in where I am last night and uh, three counties, I think, uh, two counties south of us. Had a ball game at Ole Miss, and uh, I think it was delayed an hour and a half or a couple of hours or so. And uh, bound to have been a lot of water on that football field up there because it's it's about forty rows below ground level hmm. of the field. So I know they caught some water; they couldn't get it out of there. No kidding. Yeah, it was fun. And I was driving around Sunday afternoon, and it seemed like I'd go into a thundercloud. And then I'd come out of it, be nice, beautiful, and then five minutes later, another thundercloud, and this went on for like an hour. Kind of, kind of weird. And I hadn't had that happen before. Jerry, you mentioned, yeah. I mentioned a good Tennessee, and you mentioned that university in Oxford that's known as the Rebels. As we start our conversation with you, I want to talk about a story that happened over the weekend that I came on here today to try to dig, dig up a little bit more information. Yeah, Jerry. I didn't see one single story about this thing on the wire. Now, maybe I'm looking in the wrong place, but this was not covered at all. This past weekend, Jerry, the yep. second most popular Confederate figure from the Civil War was laid to rest for a third time as Confederate General Nathan Bedford Forrest. His remains were kicked out of Memphis. They forced him to his remains and his wife's remains to be moved from memphis over the last few years and his remains were buried in columbia tennessee on saturday he and his wife and i would have mentioned this in the news items of today's show jerry it wasn't in the news this again is a guy at least in terms of civil war artwork civil war books and more nathan bedford forrest is the second leading figure of the entire war only behind robert e lee and there wasn't a single item that I found about Nathan Bedford Forrest, his body being put back in the ground in Columbia, Tennessee. I don't. That's my point of bringing this up. I can't believe the media has not covered this. I can't believe that this gigantic figure of history, of which is controversial, and that's another reason I thought the media well, would be covering this thing. Yeah. They have completely ignored this. That's the reason that you just mentioned that too. That. Uh, I would have thought since it's controversial, you know, the media loves anything anti-South, anti-Confederacy, anti-Southern, and I'm surprised that they didn't jump on that. You know, there's a few of them that do, like Mark Levin. Uh, I hear him all the time cutting the South down and uh, the Confederacy. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, he said that uh, the, uh, if you wanted to know what the uh, Democratic Party was, it was the... Uh, Southern Confederacy has evolved into the today's Democratic Party. So, uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff that uh, the national media like to put out. Well, Jerry, this 
was a win for the liberals. This was a win for those who were against Confederate history. And a, a win meaning that Forrest was kicked out of Memphis, literally kicked out of Memphis, his body, which had been resting there since the 1870s. And a settlement was reached where the family essentially got his remains with the agreement that they would not try to bury him in Shelby County where Memphis is. And his remains were buried at this new Confederate museum that's part of the Sons of Confederate Veterans International Headquarters located in Columbia, Tennessee. Jerry, I would have to argue the biggest media outlet in all of Middle Tennessee, which is where this burial happened in Columbia, is the Tennessean newspaper, Tennessean.com. And at least scanning their homepage, not one single item about Nathan Bedford Forrest's burial in Columbia, Tennessee. And again, you may hate General Forrest, but that's still a newsworthy item that should have been covered of one of the leading figures of the entire Civil War. Maybe even the most leading figure because of the controversy that Nathan Bedford Forrest had uh, attached to him. Some of which is not warranted, by the way. That's right, man. And you know, some of that was after the war that you're talking about, and and I'm not so sure that he uh, he you know he didn't really help more than he hurt trying to straighten things out. Kind of like Robert E. Lee, they took that statue down the other day in Virginia, and you know, then he President uh, Trump said some things positive about that. Yeah, he about- said he said that if Robert E. Lee was in charge of our forces today, we would not have had the debacle we had in Afghanistan. Absolutely, he said that. And of course, you know, here's a guy who went to West Point. Now, uh, and I don't think he ever had a demerit. That's right. And person that ever went to West Point without a demerit, wasn't he? Unless somebody else had uh, slipped in here. I like, have never heard of anybody else, and I know who did not go to West Point, and that would be General Milley. Yeah, General Milley couldn't get in the door, I hope. But uh, I'm not a Milley fan. But, you know, talking about West Point, and we're talking about Nathan Bedford Forrest, Nathan Bedford Forrest didn't go to West Point. I mean, uh, 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 he didn't Nathan. go to any college. He didn't go to any. That's what. I, that's where I was going. He didn't go to any college, and uh, he was one of the best uh, status statisticians. I was a statistician. I think I'm losing my mind tonight. Just it kind of got me upset thinking about that. But uh, well, how could this not be a big story when it's Nathan Bedford Forrest and it's him being buried? He's gone. He's out of Memphis again. This well, was I'm something playing. that's been a national headline for years now about the debate in Memphis. Forest Park was an entire city block near the medical center, medical district of Memphis, and essentially the city of Memphis sold an entire city block to some group nobody had ever heard of for $1,000. And when they did that, that group had the right to kick out General Forrest, and that's what they've done. I'd always heard, you know, the University of Tennessee Medical Branch is beside that park. I think so. I played in the park when I was young, and I played on Nathan Bedford Forrest's grave. Didn't know it because I would get up there by the horse, you know, it was up pretty high. The statue was about as big as the one they took down of Robert E. Lee the other day, and uh, I played on it all all those years. But I did hear it mentioned on a Tupelo station, and uh, it wasn't real positive. It wasn't negative. It was just a real short clip of. Uh, moving the body to columbia tennessee mm-hmm. and that was the only place that i saw anything about nathan bedford forrest and um i think that uh does that leave that doesn't 
leave anything in Memphis but Nathan Bedford Forest on it, does it? Doesn't it completely eliminate everything in Memphis area? Yeah, all the stuff from his grave site right down the street from Sun Records also is where this was in Memphis. It's all been putting in a warehouse over the last couple of years. I mean, what they've done to these figures of history has been low down, completely un-American. You may not like these people, but the way they've treated these historical figures and their monuments, putting their stuff in a warehouse never to be seen again, that's just completely un-American. And they won't tell you where the warehouse is. Right. Right. I'm very very aware. That all got started in Memphis. Mayor uh-huh. Landry's the first one that put something in a warehouse, and then Memphis followed it, and a lot of other places have followed it. Because there's bodies involved here, the bodies of General Forrest and his wife, Mary, that made it a little bit different. But I, I, I'm uh, honestly extremely really just confused and amazed that this would even be able to be hap- happen since bodies were involved. I didn't think you could move a grave. Uh, well, the only one I know it was moved in Memphis, and it took the act of Congress. And it hadn't been Elvis Presley, and uh, they may have staged it, or it may have actually happened. Somebody tried to break in the mausoleum out at uh, at the cemetery where Elvis was buried after he died. They moved him back to Graceland, and that really, they really had to go through a lot of red tape to get that done. I remember when mm-hmm. trying to get that done because he thought it would be safer. So they used that safe; it would be safer at Graceland. Is how they got that done. Well, I don't know why they couldn't do the same thing with Nathan Bed Forest because uh, they could secure that uh, forest park. You know, it's said I think they've changed the name of that also, haven't they? Yeah, it's called like Medical Sciences Park or yeah. something. I mean, I think yeah. you you kind of hinted my my supposition too, and I learned that word from Shelby Foot, by the way. When I did it, I you know I'm not trying to hide anything. I produced the only at least that I'm aware of, documentary on Nathan Bedford Forrest, and it covered good, it covered bad. It was in three different film festivals, including the Memphis Film Festival and Knoxville, too. And uh, Shelby Foote, the author, Civil War author, told me the supposition, he told me that about uh, Forrest and his alleged involvement with the Ku Klux Klan, which my documentary kind of outlines, there's no way he could have been in the KKK, even though almost every headline attributes him as a founding member. There's at least... A doubt, if not absolute, no way he could have been the first leader of the KKK. I think it started in Pulaski, Tennessee. Oh, it did. No doubt about it. A place that he would never have gone back to in the in the years after the Civil War. And I'm not sure he ever went to Pulaski. If he did, it was during the war. He stayed in the Memphis area. And didn't he have a place in Hernando, Mississippi, too? That uh, 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 a gentleman that owns a uh, quail farm. Mm-hmm has that building on his property now yeah that was before the war before he moved on into uh, memphis but yeah Yeah. the the forest thing and the reason i bring it up here it's not to promote rebelforest.com which i encourage everybody to go to and learn more about this great documentary it's It's to to talk about how could this story not be a news item i mean you you might have got it on wtva in tupelo but this was not on the ap wire i haven't seen it on again the leading news source in middle tennessee tennessean.com this is a dang shame, Jerry, and I almost said another word. Well, that's all right, but you know how the media is? When they get hooked into one thing, they're tunnel vision all the way. I have, you know, this is a horrible disaster that this girl uh, has come up missing, and now they say that it's her body they found in the Tetons mm-hmm. in the Canal of Utah, 
but then the boys disappeared. They can't find him. But I've watched I've watched Fox. I had to turn off of it because they spent an hour on that today plus on that one item. And yeah, that, that that girl missing, and I'm I hate to hear that. But that's not does. an international incident. No. Uh, no, no. There are people who who people who go missing and or get murdered every day. Every day. Uh, again, Nathan Bedford Forrest is one of, uh, whether you like him or not, one of the biggest Southerners in terms of fame, or some may say infamy, in yeah. in our region's history. Not just because of what he did during the war, but his legacy afterwards. Movies like Forrest Gump, that name comes yeah. from General Forrest. And well, here, it, here, this is a victory. If you hate Forrest, this is a you victory. Want, you want another victory, you know? And you're right. You want another victory if you are anti-Forrest. Just like they've won in all these victories in Virginia mm-hmm. on Lee and uh, Stonewall Jackson. And you can throw them up there all day. I don't know when they're coming after Jefferson Davis. I don't know when they're coming after the Jerry Short statue. Yeah, well, it's going up pretty soon again. They're going to reinforce it. But uh, <laughs> And I'm gonna, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have my gallon gun with me when, when they try to tear it down. Yeah. But anyway, I, I'm just as a guy who's got a, a so-called degree in journalism and more. I just don't understand how this stuff works. And well, since you got your degree and you're not that old too, and that's well, what thank you. It makes it that much of a shame. It's changed so much that uh, it's like night and day. And it seems to be changing as we change presidents uh, quite fast, you know? Uh, yeah, but this has been going on a long time. In I'm, fact, let me tell you, this this is not covered. I'll, I'll tell people now that the, the people who hate Forrest have won this battle, that when I did my Shelby Foote interview in 2002 at his home there in Memphis, he uh-huh. he told me, and I've got it recorded, but it didn't make it into the doc documentary. He was a buddy of a guy named. Help me if I get it right here. The Army Bailey. Yeah, yeah. He was a judge in Memphis. That's a, and he was in a couple of movies. I think he might have even been in the Tom in the, Cruise movie. Uh, he was in the firm as a judge. Yeah, and uh, he was in a couple more. You know. Yeah, and it's just like the guy kind of running Memphis now is. Somebody moved there from Chicago. Oh, is that right? He's a news. He's a news anchor. Well, let, let me finish my story on Foot. So Foot tells me about the Army Bailey. By the way, Shelby Foot was a big supporter of General Forrest's history. He right. said that the Civil War created two geniuses: Abraham Lincoln and Nathan Bedford Forrest. But right. he, he and the Army Bailey were acquaintances, but they'd also argue. And he said that the Army Bailey told him over and over, we're going to come after him. We're going to get that statue. We're going to get that forest guy out of Memphis. Right. And Shelby Foote, who passed away somewhere around 2003, he would tell the Army Bailey, it's what he would tell me, he told the Army Bailey, you're a damn fool. You don't know what you're talking about. Yep, but he uh, evidently uh, the fool caught up with him, didn't he? And they're both deceased now, by the way. Well, but, no. uh, but yeah, that that's a little little insider nugget rebelforest.com please y'all go there see this documentary i did some it's 20 good. years ago it's absolutely incredible over right around 200,000 people have seen it and now that general forest in the news again and now that he's now been moved to private property here at the sons of confederate veterans international headquarters surely to goodness 
uh, he won't be moved again, and maybe some of the controversy, at least about his his body and his monuments and things like that, won't necessarily be stirred up again. But the story today was the fact that the the major outlets have completely and Jerry, you watched the outlets, the national outlets over the weekend. I don't oh, think yeah. you saw one item about Our, it anywhere, right? Radio or anywhere. I mean, it just. But if something happens and they tear down a statue of something, you don't even know the name of who the person was. Or what about when they moved the rock at the University of Wisconsin? Yeah. Every day that they and moved that had the, nothing to do with the Civil War, had, by the way. No, it had nothing to do with anything. But they had to show that constantly. Showed the equipment moving in. Showed them moving it. Showed yeah. them hiding it. By the way, Jerry, you'll like this one. The top headline at the Tennessee, it is not that General Forrest was reburied. The top headline, Nashville Pride Festival rained out Sunday. Oh, I'll be done. <laughs> well, let me let me take a break, Jerry, as we have our Takapola storyteller here with us. We like to talk to him, find out what all's going on across Takapola and the entire Southern Universe. If you've got something to say to Jerry Short, we welcome that. We have so many people stop and tell us here, man, we like that Jerry Short guy. Get him back on more often. Well, we hear you. So we're going to stick with our plan right now with getting him on Mondays. But maybe, Jerry, we'll just have to put you on nonstop. We'll take a break. We're not done with Jerry Short. When we come back, we're going to switch over from talking about Nathan Bedford Forrest to something that has to do with a forest. And that is a little bit of a cliffhanger that I'll leave you with here on Talk with a Southern Accent. By the way, if you want to get in touch with Jerry, you want to get in touch with yours truly, John Rawl, our number is 803-816-1170. We'll be right back with more of the Takapola Storyteller. By texting 64,000, you agree to receive recurring automated marketing messages from Babbel. Message and data rates may apply. No purchase required. Terms apply. Available at babbel.com slash TNC. Have you tried learning a new language, but it never seems to stick? That's because there's more to language than learning vocab words. Babbel is different. Babbel's multiple ways to learn helps you explore every aspect of a new language. Anytime, right from your phone or computer. Practice real-life conversations in the Babbel app. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? Get personalized help from an instructor in Babbel's live online classes. Classes are limited to six people. We keep them small so everyone can get the help and practice they need. Review words and phrases with fun games. Or dive into the culture with short videos. Whatever your learning motivation, Babbel gives you the tools you'll need to explore your new language. With Babbel, you can speak a new language. Babbel. More ways to explore. More ways to learn. Text Babbel to 64000 to start learning a new language today. Text Babbel to 64000. B-A-B-B-E-L to 64000.
covering the southeast with three hours of southern conversation the kind of conversation you're not going to get anywhere else and why is that because first of all the y'all show is produced in the south it's produced by southerners and it is a show that we're very proud to be southern but we know we've got scars we know we're not perfect and we talk about the imperfections right here on talk with a southern accent and we appreciate you tuning in to us with our scars and all laid out right in front of you. We have our Takapola storyteller still on with us for a few minutes. His name is Jerry Short. And Jerry, man, does he have scars. <laughs> and we've got him back on here for one last segment. His, he is the guy that comes on and shares with us such great information, mostly from the old days. But he's, he's really an ace when it comes to keeping up with things going on right now jerry i know you're a guy who's been out in the woods a few times in your life and i have to file a complaint and that complaint would be i think we're getting close to fall i know so because i've seen a lot of leaves popping up on the grass around the southeast here in the last couple of days and jerry i got my first whiff of something that is pleasing at first but as time goes by, it gets rather nasty. Jerry, I'm talking about persimmons. Oh, persimmons. Yeah. Well, you know, um, we had a really good persimmon tree on the farm in Tacapella when I was growing up. And uh, persimmons would grow all over the world. And, that, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of species of, uh, of uh, timber trees. And, uh, you know, they've used persimmon for... Uh, I think before they started using metal in golf club. Uh, yeah, you're right. For summits, you know, yeah, the, the, on the irons or not the the the, 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 the woods. The woods, the woods were for summit. and then uh, bows, crossbows, longbows. They did that. I think with persimmon wood, but uh, I know that from uh, forestry days because they didn't want us to cut persimmon because we'd always make pulp wood out of it to make paper or boxes or something so they had had another usage so if it's a tree was like yeah we didn't when i worked for the timber company for so many years we didn't do that but yeah we had a persimmon tree on uh, our farm and my grandmother and you know if we're talking to if anybody out there is listening if they got an older grandmother like mine was born in uh 1881 mm, that's a little so, older than mine that's a little bit older, probably. That's my grandmother, but she'd have me go to the persimmon tree, which you could see from her house. It was down by the barn, about by the corn crib or the corn shed, whatever you want to call it. And it it was a, you know, the persimmons would come in in about the middle of October. Now they're green in their own town, but you don't want to eat them green because they're bitter. So you sure don't want to fool with them now. But about the middle of October. And especially after a good frost hits, you know, and it starts knocking the leaves off a little bit. Of course, you take those leaves and boil them and make some uh, persimmon tea, mm. like sassafras tea, which I used to dig roots up and do that and make sassafras tea. But you asked about persimmons. so uh, They are starting. I'm not smelling things. That is something I probably caught a whiff of. They, they are likely to fall right now. But no, not now. They shouldn't be falling yet. I they think I smelled a persimmon that gummit, Jerry. Don't 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 well, question I mean, my nose. 
Well, I, maybe a squirrel had brought one around your house or something, you know, because squirrels will eat them. And then I tell you who really loves them are deer. Deer, you know, I've had a lot of hunters when I was in the woods all the time. If you see a persimmon tree, please give me some persimmons. And they'd, they'd bait a fill, and that's probably what they'd do with them. And because uh, deer would go to that persimmon on the ground if you put it on the ground. However, look, a doggone, you catch that persimmon just right, and it's going to be sweet. You can make, my grandmama used to make um, a lot of baked goods out of it. Hmm. I, mean, I remember a steamed pudding, I think she made from it. And then she'd make pies, those kind, like an apple or a peach pie that are just kind of in, uh, in, um, in, a, uh, you fold them over and, and make them a little bit, they probably about eight foot long and four foot, four, I mean, eight inches long and, four inches wide and you know you can buy them in stores but they usually they're going to be apple or peach but she would do them in persimmon and they were pretty doggone good but you got to catch it colors uh seemed like it was yellow and orange kind of to a dark red orange and the fruit size was about an inch to three inches let's say right and when it was ripe fruit it's sweet and that's the time to catch it right then it's sweet and I lie, I loved them. But then if you wait a little bit longer, they're going to get bitter and twangy. So get them then, and then go ahead. A lot of people would get them and go ahead and take them. We had a thing we called a smokehouse. Yeah. Or if you killed a hog, or if you killed a cow, or if you killed ch- you know, something to hang up in there, bacon and stuff. And then you'd put a potato to be on the floor in there from the garden. And uh, you'd put those uh, persimmon in there also because – you can make desserts all all winter out of some of that stuff. But I tell you, I think it just hit me, too. I think flutes were made from persimmons because I got kicked out of a band one time. And, can you play you played the flute? I, I know. I couldn't play anything. I played four different instruments. And uh, the, finally, the band director told me, uh, he said, look, listen, the deal is, I think you're tone deaf. And so you're out of here. <laughs> and he said, I know you just joined. I joined just the band used to take a trip to all these bowl games and mm. have a blue gray game and the senior bowl and all of And, uh, our, our high school band would go to those every year and the North South game. And, uh, so I joined that football season and, uh, between the season. And then, uh, he'd take me and at first we tried to, uh, Symbols and I couldn't even play that. Tried to drum, I couldn't even play that. Tried the uh, clarinet, I couldn't play that. Tried um, what's that other one? I tried. I tried the thing. It's uh, you got those little uh, round. Uh, you beat it uh, xylophone, I think maybe. But I tried that, and then he come to me and he said, uh, "You're out of here. <laughs> I know, you got it, but you just wanted to go." I said, "Well, I thought we could just march and pretend to be playing." to make the band look bigger <laughs> but, but it didn't work but anyway that doesn't mean to get back off of that mess that really don't have anything to do with what we're talking about persimmons. well jerry my my biggest complaint with persimmons is the fact that ultimately whether i'm maybe completely you might have been totally messed up with your music maybe i'm completely messed no, up I, with my nose but i i know at some point or i should say i knows at some point jerry yeah, that these things will be on the ground they will ultimately start rotting on the ground. Ultimately, you can step on them, as I have done, and boy, they stick on the bottom of your shoe, and it's kind of hard to get off. 
And the other thing, Jerry, is if they get on pavement, they don't come off of pavement easily either. And last year, I was doing what I should have been doing last year, and I should be doing it this year. I was doing something called exercise, and I don't know if you know anything about that. But I was was running a lot last year, and there was a – one spot on my running route that had a persimmon tree and underneath that thing those things had fallen down cars had come over and run across run them over and those things every time i'd get near that tree running in my route i'd i'd do everything i could to dodge that area because it was it was awful see that's the difference in a city boy and a country boy like myself okay uh i guess you like the smell of manure well they didn't stay you well they don't bother me but uh chicken manure probably Chicken, no, that might be a little different. But, uh, you know, in, in the country, some some animals going to come along and eat that persimmon on the ground. You'll be lucky. Because I used to go try to kick, get some of them as they'd fall because they still would be okay. If it, they get mushy and they don't have seeds in them, I mean, yeah. uh, they don't have a big seed. And uh, they'll smash and all that. But uh, an animal is going to come get those doggone things. And we had ours in the uh, – it was around that corn crib, but it was still fenced in the in the uh, that part of the pasture and barn. But uh, you know, like I said, squirrels and and rabbits and other animals that are out there in the woods. When I used to be in the woods, and deer, deer absolutely love them, and we're eat up with deer. We got so many deer now that mm. uh, you know. So I, the smell, and I I'll tell you the truth, is a little tangy smell to me, maybe. But, uh, you know, there was one they was kind of uh, got smashed, like you said, if one happened to. But I very seldom saw anything smashed because we always had something that would consume it. Well, again, I'm a city boy, and the persimmons I'm seeing are on asphalt. And guess what? Cars go on asphalt. So that I know my eyes aren't deceiving me, and I know my nose is not deceiving me. But, anyway, but I'm sure – whether you're yeah. city or country, I'm sure you have your own persimmon thoughts here, and that's why we wanted our Takapola storyteller, the great Jerry Short, come on and oh, yeah. tell us his persimmon thoughts. But timber, that is good timber, and it's good. You know, if Grandmama could fix that son of a gun just perfect, and uh, you know, along with everything else that grandmothers did in those days, and then she was half Indian Chickasaw, so they may have learned all those trades uh, when she was a uh, Living the Indian life, I don't know. Huh. But anyway, I, I I remember them and and uh, wish I could. You know, I don't know. I ain't had a persimmon since I quit working in the woods so regularly. You yeah, because you're a city boy, Jerry Short, our Takapola storyteller. Oh, I love to pick on you. Yeah, you do a pretty good job of it too. Mm. I, you know, but that's okay because you know I'm 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 all right in my zone. And and it's not that big of a zone, but I'm all right in it. Yeah, but, uh, it's, three, it's called a city. It's probably you're probably living in a subdivision for all I know. I, mean, I have, but uh, <laughs> it is the, the king of the cul-de-sac, Jerry Short, also oh. city slicker Short. Hey, thank you for these memories, and we appreciate you coming on, and look forward to talking to you again next week on the Y'all Show. I'll try to bring you some persimmons, okay? Oh, yeah. Make sure they're nice and ripe. I don't want to get any of those green ones. I'm going to show you a good-tasting sweet persimmon. All right. I'm ready. I am definitely ready. Jerry Short, he is 
the Takapola Storyteller. This is the Y'all Show Talk with an Accent on All Things Southern and that kind of Southern lifestyle that we love to kind of promote here on the Y'all Show, whether it's our good Southern history or, in the case of persimmons, something that I bet you you got a persimmon tree not too far out your front door. We'll come back and wrap up the second hour right after this. We've got a Southern accent. Melissa Rhodes is following an accent on good Southern food. I wonder if she's got a persimmon recipe she's going to be talking about. We're going to wrap up this hour right after this time out, y'all. It's been tough talking to my doctor about constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. I finally laid all my symptoms out there and how they keep coming back. She said I may have irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBSC. We agreed. It's time to try something different. Linzess, or linaclotide, is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Visit a doctor in person or online. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Sponsored by Abbey and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. Southern accent. Here's what's cooking in the South from y'all.com. I'm Melissa Rhodes. In the few areas of the region lucky enough to grow them, it's apple season. Southern-grown apples are generally picked July through October. Of course, much depends on Mother Nature and the variety of apple being picked. The leading varieties being Red Delicious, Gala, and Golden Delicious. Apples come in various shades of reds, greens, and yellows. Currently, more than 100 varieties of apples are grown in the United States, with Washington State leading the way for production. The southern states of Virginia and North Carolina are in the top 10 of apple-producing states. Apples can be grown in all 50 states. Did y'all know the crab apple is the only apple native to North America? And apples are a great source of fiber pectin. One apple has 5 grams of fiber. Recipes, tips, headlines, and more at y'all.com. Well, it was not planned, but how about that? We wrap up this second hour of today with a lot of fruit tree talk. From Jerry Short, our Takapola storyteller, telling us all about his persimmon memories. And now we go to Melissa, and she's talking about apples. I'll take either one at this point. That's pretty cool how that worked out. You know what? We're going to work out a whole other hour of the show about the South when we come back after this short break. We will kick off the fun with a look at a Southern sports update. And also, hour number three, credit card debt. Which states lead the country for credit card debt? I have that info, all that, plus more news headlines headed your way on the Y'all Show. By texting 64,000, you agree to receive recurring automated marketing messages from Babbel. Message and data rates may apply. No purchase required. Terms apply. Available at babbel.com slash DNC. 
Have you tried learning a new language, but it never seems to stick? That's because there's more to language than learning vocab words. Babbel is different. Babbel's multiple ways to learn helps you explore every aspect of a new language, anytime, right from your phone or computer. Practice real-life conversations in the Babbel app. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? Get personalized help from an instructor in Babbel's live online classes. Classes are limited to six people. We keep them small so everyone can get the help and practice they need. Review words and phrases with fun games. Or dive into the culture with short videos. Whatever your learning motivation, Babbel gives you the tools you'll need to explore your new language. With Babbel, you can speak a new language. Babbel. More ways to explore. More ways to learn. Text Babbel to 64000 to start learning a new language today. Text Babbel to 64000. B-A-B-B-E-L to 64000. John Rawl is my name, and the name of this show is The Y'all Show. What the heck is The Y'all Show? This is a moment in time where we come together and we talk about and we promote and we kind of pat ourselves on the back, too, about the South. This is a Southern show. We are pro-South, and we do it here for three hours, Monday through Friday. The Y'all Show on great radio stations that are certainly pro-South by giving us a spin for sure, but we also are available on some podcast options if you want to tune in. And hear all about the Southeast. You can find the Y'all Show in podcast form. We're on Spotify. We're on the iHeart app. We're on the TuneIn Radio app. We're on Stitcher. We're also available in the Apple Podcast app. And we're at y'all.com, which is the South's homepage. So we try to do our darndest to make this show about the Southeast so easy to find. And again, we thank you if you're listening to us today on one of our awesome radio affiliates because they do a good job of getting our show out there, and we certainly always want to promote our great radio affiliates. Of course, if you want to be involved with the Y'all Show, either as an affiliate and or a sponsor, that's why we have a number. You can text me right here at 803-816-1170, and let's bring the Y'all Show to your neighborhood. Let's help get it on a radio station in your neighborhood if you want to reach great audiences across the southeast let me help you get your message of your business off to people over all over the southeast that listen to the y'all show or if you'd rather just be on a local affiliate let me help you with that too you'll be surprised there are some great stations that carry the y'all show where getting your advertising message out is not as maybe as expensive as you thought and in most cases I'm going to be the link to help you get that message across. So let me help you because we're in the helping business here on the Y'all Show. And again, all you got to do is just drop me a line at 803-816-1170 or you can email me if you'd rather do that. And that email address for me or the show is mail, M-A-I-L, mail at Y-A-L-L dot com, mail at y'all.com here in this final hour boy we've already knocked out two and we got one more to go in this final hour of our getting the week up and going edition of the y'all show we've got to look at some southern sports combining both the nfl and college football action from the weekend 
Also, we'll bring you the latest standings for Major League Baseball now that that season is about, what, two weeks away from coming to a conclusion. And there's going to be some heartbreaking uh, fans. Some some fans are going to be really heartbroken when their team might end up missing out by half a game or a full game or however the heck it works out here as we get close to Mr. October. Although Reggie Jackson is not playing much these days, who is the latest Mr. October? We'll, we'll crown a World Series champion in a couple of weeks, but we'll try to bring you some Major League Baseball talk. Plenty of NFL. Boy, the games were good on Sunday, as they normally are. Got a Monday night game going on in Lambeau. We'll fill you in on that. Then, of course, we're going to talk college football and how some of these teams survived this past weekend. And then some teams just came to play and some teams have a horseshoe somewhere in their equipment because they use that horseshoe in a way to get past their opponent and get a victory over the past couple of days. We've got info on all that on our Southern Sports Update coming up in a second here on the Y'all Show. Before this hour is in the books, hey, we're going to have in our next segment a credit card debt study. We'll let you know how bad your state is when it comes to having credit card debt. (laughs) This might be a little bit uh, nauseating for some of you out there. You may not be able to handle this one. That's why, again, if you're listening to us right now on the podcast, I can't help you if you're listening to us on one of our incredibly awesome radio affiliates, but at least in podcast form, when we get to credit card debt, you might want to kind of speed up the playing of the show and and get past that little section because it just could be a little too uh, nauseating. It could be a little bit too bloody for you, frankly. Uh, We'll get to that later as we look across the southeast at headlines, and we'll talk about credit card debt. Speaking of headlines, we've got more stuff to tell you about here in terms of the news headlines of the day. We'll do that before we get out of here this hour. We will actually share with you some information about how a man in upstate South Carolina has gone from being homeless himself to helping feed homeless. What a touching story coming in from Greenville, and I'll let you know about that, plus another touching story here in Dixie as we start this new week. A hotel in Pigeon Forge is honoring a couple of regulars that would show up each year for the ride run, and this couple has died, and this hotel in Pigeon Forge is they're, they're taking their hard-earned money and time to honor this couple, and what a great gesture this hotel is doing in fact i'll even throw out a recent hotel feel-good story of my own it won't come anywhere close to this one but i was rather impressed the other day when i had to stay at a hotel and they helped me out so remind me and i'll remind you about what that was all about as we get through our headlines here today and then we'll close out the show with a preview of what's on the y'all show going forward the rest of the week. Now, does that sound pretty exciting? If it doesn't, well, it, that's that's on you, buddy. Or buddy, if you're a female, whatever the equivalent of a buddy is. That definitely is on you. All right, let's start off this hour with a little college football news and notes. And did you tune in week three, college football? I think it worked out pretty good. What a great game, I thought, between number one Alabama and and number 11, Florida. Florida field was packed. It was just like the good old days. You had two teams that don't see that. They hardly ever see each other in the regular season. This was the first time the Crimson Tide had played in the Swamp in over a decade, I think. It was just a beautiful day. It was the CBS 
SEC opener. And Florida put up a fight. Florida looked like they were going to get knocked out early. They found a way to come back. And Coach Nick Saban says that his defense there had mental errors. Maybe Florida's just that good, Coach. But in the end, Alabama did come out of there barely with the victory. And they stay number one. But other teams did slip despite winning over the weekend. Alabama was not one of them. But what a game. I can't go on enough about how cool it was. And how cool was it? I saw Friday on the SEC Network going into the weekend games. Mr. Skinny Pants, Powell Feinbaum is what I think his name is. Mr. Skinny Pants was on his network, the SEC Network, and he had Tim Tebow, Mr. Skinny Shirt, Skinny Suit, Skinny Hair. I don't know what's up with his style, but I like Tim Tebow. I'm a fan, Tim. And those two were together on the SEC Network, and I happened to tune in some of that. But the reason I'm bringing that up is because how funny slash cool is it to see trash talking going on in college sports and Feinbaum and Tebow were together on the Florida campus on Friday hours hours I mean a full day ahead of the kickoff between the Tide and the Albert Gators Albert the Alligator Gators and there were there were people taking the time to go out and see the SEC Network's Friday afternoon broadcast I guess it was the first hour of the Feinbaum show on SEC Network that I saw and it looked like they were in a bulletproof, the kind of setup the president would be in. I mean, there there was no interaction with the fans, but they were behind like three layers of glass. I, I don't know where they were on the UF campus. But what I do know is those Gator fans, most of which looked like students enrolled there at the University of Florida, they took the time not only to show up, but they took the time to bring on a few posters and they wrote out some good smack. They wrote out some good smack, and I'm trying to remember off the top of my head what one of them was. One of them had to do with rings. Um, okay, yeah, one of them said, Alabama has more rings than teeth. <laughs> and Alabama fans are probably okay with that. Oh, yeah, we do have more national championship rings than teeth. I think what is it, they're up to 18 now. And how many teeth go in a human mouth? Somewhere in the 30 range, I think. Yeah, they probably do have more national championship rings and teeth there at the capstone. <laughs> that was one of the trash-talking signs I saw there. And this was on SEC Network, not even on the Fox uh, Noon Kick show that now comes on the Fox Network or the ESPN Game Day. But love that trash-talking, all in clean fun, of course. Love that completely full Florida field and the great scene it was for Southeastern Conference football. And this was not the only game that had full stance. How about Happy Valley? What a great game, speaking of the state of Alabama. Great game, great effort by the Auburn Tigers. I know they went down in defeat to Penn State. But, boy, that stadium, I mean, Happy Valley was white. The fans had the white pom-poms, except for those clad in orange, of course. And what a great game. What a great thing Auburn did by going up to Yankee land and even playing in that game. But to the Penn State fans' credit, they showed up. They had been away from that stadium for a while, and it was really cool to see that game going down 
over the weekend. And then you had other games that were certainly fan-filled and, and Alabama, of course, on the road. But Athens, they had a good SEC East battle between Georgia and South Carolina. It was good at least for a couple of minutes. And then Georgia just dominated. The number two Georgia Bulldogs look very, very good. Don't be surprised if Alabama has a hard time, even if even if they defeat Mississippi in a couple of weeks, if they struggle and Georgia continues to look as good as they did against South Carolina, you might see the dogs usurp the tide and Georgia end up being number one and Alabama still be undefeated. That can happen. Georgia is looking mighty, mighty good in my opinion. And then elsewhere you had teams outside of the SEC that are currently high up in the rankings. Texas A&M from the SEC is pretty high up there, and they had no big problem in their victory over New Mexico over the weekend. Clemson did go down. Georgia Tech had a chance to win that ball game, and Clemson held on when it mattered most, but Clemson did drop three spots there after that escape from Memorial Stadium. The Gators didn't move up or down in the latest AP poll that came out Sunday. Gators stuck at 11 after their close loss to Bama. Notre Dame's at 12. Mississippi and Matt Corral check in at number 13. They move up to 13 from, what were they, 17 the week before. Nice jump there for the lane train. The Arkansas Razorbacks also moved up four. They got a good win over Georgia Southern there at Razorback Stadium. Hoggies checking in at number 16 this week. The Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina dropped spot as Jamie Chadwell's team went to Buffalo. They won that game, but CCU goes to 17 in the latest poll. Southern team, North Carolina, the Heels are ranked number 21. They did not move up or down, but they had a pretty impressive win, I thought, over their arch rival from the north of them to UVA. The what do they call it? The rivalry game, I think is what it's uh, nickname. Yeah, they got a great win, fifty nine thirty nine. That was the first UNC victory over UVA in several years. There at Keenan Stadium, Mac Brown's got this team back on track after they had that opening week setback to Virginia Tech. By the way, the Hokies go out of the poll. They got embarrassed on the road at West Virginia this past weekend. This team has jumped in at number 22. They're not in the South, but how about the Bulldogs of Fresno State getting the victory against UCLA? This team entering the AP poll at number 23. Also, should have mentioned Michigan State entering at number 20 this week. Michigan State went down to Miami Gardens and got a pretty pretty good and very nice Big Ten versus ACC win over the Miami Hurricanes. Auburn drops just one spot after their close game at Penn State. The Tigers checking in at 23. UCLA drops 11 spots after that loss to Fresno State as the Bruins ranked number 24 this week. K-State is number 25 in the latest AP poll. And then a little end of the footnotes on college football from this week number three. Got to give a lot of Credit to the SMU Mustangs. Did you see that great Hail Mary pass they had against Louisiana Tech? As great as that was for the Ponies, Skip Holtz, and the Bulldogs of La Tech, man, their second loss of the year. And both losses have been absolute jarring, 
awful, horrible losses as Louisiana Tech should have beat Mississippi State in that opening week, had a chance to win at Davis Wade and had their what should have been a pretty, I think, easy kick completely die before it hit the goalpost, and they lost to MSU (laughs) week one. Then against SMU, they had the game won there. They let SMU throw a Hail Mary pass that bounced off of somebody into the open arms of a Mustang receiver and Louisiana Tech now, I think they're one and two and should be three and oh, frankly, in my opinion. But that was one of the things that you had to have seen from the third week of college football. And then, hey, I will go back and repeat, as I did earlier in the show, how about the Chattanooga Mocs of the Southern Conference? They went all the way to Kroger Field. They outplayed, they outperformed, they outdid everything against Kentucky except one pick six bit them in the tuchus in the closing minutes and that's all kentucky needed to have as kentucky survives and moves on to three and oh they've got a very crucial game coming up soon against south carolina but chattanooga which had already lost to austin p this year had a nice win against north alabama week two the mocks i thought were going to be the latest fcs team to get a victory over an SEC team. It was a fellow Southern Conference member that went into Nashville and beat Vanderbilt opening weekend, and that was the ETSU Bucks And their fellow Volunteer State FCS Southern Conference member, Chattanooga, looked like they were going to maybe lead Coach Stoops to the exits of Kroger Field and a regime change if he couldn't beat Chattanooga after all the hype that's been built up on Kentucky football of late. And this team ought to – I'm not saying they're going to compete with Georgia for the SEC East crown. I don't think they can compete with Florida for the SEC East crown. But they darn sure ought to be competing for a 10-win season there at Kroger Field. I like to call it Commonwealth Stadium. Big Blue Nation is scratching themselves. And they're also saying, we got past this one. On to South Carolina. And that's the story of college football and college sports is you win and you smile and you lose and you forget. A recap of week number two of the NFL, all of the big games from Sunday. Hopefully you tuned in if you had a chance to see some of them. And what a great couple of games we had. Some games even having extended time to decide the victor. One of those games that was rather, rather close It went down to extra time was the Tennessee Titans as they had a game out in Seattle. Derrick Henry, who had three touchdowns in this game, led the Titans to a 33-30 overtime win over Russell Wilson and the Hawks. Cowboys, they nailed a 56-yard field goal right as time expired. Congratulations to the kicker there, Zerline, as Dallas picks up its first win of the year at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, Cowboys 20, Los Angeles Chargers 17. One of those other late Sunday afternoon games featured the NFC South's Buccaneers and the NFC South's Atlanta Falcons. This one was a domination late in the fourth quarter. Tampa with 20 points on the board in the final stanza. Atlanta didn't get a single digit up on the board. And as a result of that 20 points in the fourth period, the Bucks cruise to a 48-25 victory over Atlanta. Tampa Bay and Tom are 2-0, and 
Atlanta and Matt Ryan are 0 and 2. The Cardinals with a 34-33 escape over the Minnesota Vikings Sunday. Denver looked mighty good. They moved to 2 and 0. Teddy Bridgewater and company get the 10-point win over Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence, the Clemson alum, threw two interceptions in this loss to the Broncos. The Carolina Panthers and their defense look mighty, mighty good, and the Panthers moved to 2-0 and after getting the 26-7 victory over the New Orleans Saints. The Las Vegas Raiders went into the Steel City, and they defeated the Pittsburgh, Pir- uh, Pittsburgh Steelers rather, 26-17. Derek Carr looked mighty good in most of this on Sunday. Pretty good start for the Las Vegas Raiders. 49ers got the win second week in a row. They've had to go on the road to the east, and they went all the way to the city of brotherly love and got the 17-11 victory over the Philadelphia Eagles. The New England Patriots, Mac Jones and company, get their first win of the year, 25-6. to It wasn't even close as coach the, the coach of the Jets scratching his head about his rookie quarterback who threw, I think, four interceptions for the New York Jets. 25-6, Pats get the victory. The Buffalo Bills embarrassed the Miami Dolphins Sunday, 35-0. The Rams able to move to 2-0, and they send the Indianapolis Colts to 0-2, 27-24. Matthew Stafford and company getting the victory there in the Circle City. The Cleveland Browns got their first victory of the year as they win by 10 over the Houston Texans, 31-21. It took over to – now, this one was a regular game. The Chicago Bears, 20-17 over the Bengals. Joe Burrow threw three interceptions on three straight passes, and that is a reason the Bears able to escape the, the game and they had there at Soldier Field against the Cincinnati Bengals. And those are just some of the fun of NFL week number two. And the week continues Monday night football from Lambeau Field. This is going to be kicking at 8.15 Eastern, 7.15 Lambeau time. It's the Packers and their home opener. They've got the Detroit Lions coming in for a black and blue rivalry. Again, this from Lambeau Field. This will be televised on ESPN here. And now a quick, quick look at the Major League Baseball standings after we had a full lineup of action on the diamond from this past weekend. And the Tampa Bay Rays are inching closer and closer to a playoff berth and a possible championship of the AL East. They enjoy a six-and-a-half game edge over the Red Sox at the current time. The White Sox, boy, they're getting mighty, mighty close. They've got an 11-game lead in the Central over the Cleveland Indians. The Strohs and the AL West, they have a six-game edge over the Oakland A's at the current time. Over in the National League, it's getting really, really, really close there in the NL East. The Braves have a two-game edge over the Phillies at the current time. The Mets also have a little bit of an outside shot of catching up with the Bravos before September comes to a close. Congratulations to the Brewers. They have already clinched, and they are leaders of the NL Central with a 11 and a half game edge currently over the Cardinals. Also, and I say clinch, what I mean by that is they have clinched at least a playoff berth, still not officially champions of their division is the Brewers. The Giants and Dodgers are in a real slugfest. They are essentially tied in the NL West at the current time. Padres still 
have a little bit of life in their hopes of getting a wild card berth there in that division, arguably the best division of Major League Baseball at the current time. That's a quick look at what's going on sports-wise across the South and beyond. We are y'all talk with an accent on all things Southern. And when we come back on the show about the South, we'll continue the fun. We've got an article up about credit card debt, and we'll tell you how your state ranks in terms of credit card debt. That plus more headlines from across the South coming your way before we get out of here on this Monday edition. By texting 64,000, you agree to receive recurring automated marketing messages from Babbel. Message and data rates may apply. No purchase required. Terms apply. Available at babbel.com slash TNC. Have you tried learning a new language, but it never seems to stick? That's because there's more to language than learning vocab words. Babbel is different. Babbel's multiple ways to learn helps you explore every aspect of a new language. Anytime, right from your phone or computer. Practice real-life conversations in the Babbel app. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? Get personalized help from an instructor in Babbel's live online classes. Classes are limited to six people. We keep them small so everyone can get the help and practice they need. Review words and phrases with fun games. Or dive into the culture with short videos. Whatever your learning motivation, Babbel gives you the tools you'll need to explore your new language. With Babbel, you can speak a new language. Babbel. More ways to explore. More ways to learn. Text Babbel to 64000 to start learning a new language today. Text Babbel to 64000. B-A-B-B-E-L to 64000. I don't know about y'all, but some of you might need a little rescue, whether it's Jim Dandy or a lot of money coming your way. And that's always a good thing, probably have money coming your way, but especially if you got credit card debt. During the 2020 pandemic lockdown, oh, we remember that oh so well, many Americans found themselves spending a whole lot less of their disposable income, and some of that extra money went to paying down credit card debt at a record-setting pace. But that was in 2020. It's a new year, y'all. And now the opposite is happening. In the second quarter of this year, 2021, consumers added $47.5 billion, with a B, $47.5 billion in new credit card debt, an all-time quarterly record that nearly wiped out progress consumers made on their debt during the first quarter of 2021. And that spending on credit is expected to continue. Now, there is a Wallet Hub article up, and it has a credit card debt 
study. And I've got what this debt study tells us. And it's not good news for a lot of you. We have some of the main findings. Again, $45.7 billion that credit cards have gone up in debt in quarter two, 2021. I hate to tell you all this kind of stuff. The average credit card debt per household, quarter two, 2021, average credit card debt, $7,854. That's the average credit card debt per household. $7,800. The total credit card debt, $923. Hmm. All right, now I've got the breakdown of credit card debt increase for each state. And there's a couple of southern states that have to be thinking about having a fourth job added after seeing this thing. Okay, total household credit card debt. Gosh, this is disturbing. Texas, you're number two. You follow California, but not by much. The household credit card debt in Texas is $9,516, according to WalletHub. Georgia, $9,218. North Carolina, $8,158. Virginia, $9,500. Maryland, $9,200. Tennessee, average credit card debt, $7,863. Missouri, $7,300 credit card debt. South Carolina's over $8,000, $8,064. Alabama's just under $8,000, $7,909. Louisiana's $8,238. Kentucky, way to go, Kentucky, $6,902 in credit card debt. Mississippi, $7,589 in the Magnolia State. Arkansas, $7,100 in credit card debt per on average. And that's the end of it for southern states. The state with the lowest amount of credit card debt, surprise, surprise, the household credit card debt is the lowest in Vermont, 5,562. I guess you got to have a credit card to even be on this list. So there's people out there who don't have credit cards. I have been one of those folks, and I enjoyed not having credit cards for years unfortunately i tried to get a car one time and they said oh you kind of need to have a credit history you better get some credit cards so i've had them you know what my credit card i'm I'm not going to say i am not going to say because i don't want to sound like a bragger okay it's zero (laughs) I, i recently cut that baby down to zero now i still got debt i just don't have credit card debt and that's maybe not the best thing i think it's a good thing in some ways, if you can afford it, to have some credit card debt because it shows you can have debt and pay it off. Or you can be an overachiever like me and uh, have it at zero. But maybe, you know, one of the reasons I don't have a lot of credit card debt because I don't really spend all that much money or the money I spend, it's because I can make up for it. I'm not Dave Ramsey. What am I doing? But Dave 
probably has zero credit card debt because I think that's the whole premise of his show is to tear up your credit cards. Cut them up, I think, is what he does. But again, WalletHub has this out here, and it's all to help you know where we stand from a credit card debt. They do have some tips here in their article about credit card debt. Tips for managing credit card debt. Make a budget and stick to it. Duh. Build an emergency fund. That's a smart thing. Improve your credit. And that's what I'm talking about. You got to have a credit card to help improve your credit. You got to have some some expenses on there and pay it. Try the island approach. The island approach is a strategy that involves using a collection of credit cards with each serving a specific purpose. Hmm. Repay your most expensive debt first and evaluate your job situation. Those, again, tips from WalletHub.com as they've got this article out and their credit card debt study of quarter two of 2021. And there's some southern states out there that are really struggling in terms of having lots of credit card debt. Be careful. That's all I can say. You know what? You're not going to have credit card debt if you are tuning in to the Y'all Show because here at this show, we don't charge you a wooden nickel to listen to the show all about the Southeast. So charge all you want for y'all. It ain't gonna, It ain't going to hurt you at all. Just consider us a plus on your budget. When we come back, we will continue on with our headlines. I've been telling you personal confessions about my credit card history. When we come back, I'm going to have a personal story about a recent hotel stay I had because we've got a hotel story that's a feel-good story, and it's part of our news headlines coming in from across the southeast. This specific story coming to us from Pigeon Forge. All that is ahead as we kind of start wrapping up this Monday. Y'all talk with a Southern accent. constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating kept giving her grief. She talked to her doctor to get some relief. Turns out Deb had irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBS-C, which was a start. Saying yes to Linzess helped her do her part. Linzess, or linaclotide, is a prescription medicine that treats IBS-C in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, Stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Talk to a doctor today. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at Linzess.com or call 1-800-L-I-N-Z-E-S-S. Sponsored by Abbey and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. If there ever was a perfect this just might be the one For telling you the way I feel And just how real we've become If I'm anxious and a little uptight It's because I want to ask you this right 
If I never stop loving you, will you never start wanting me to? Say you want and that's what I do. For forever with a heart so true. If you'll start and end every day, forever never wanting me to go away. All I'm ever gonna always do is never stop loving you. All right, the good folks here that let me do the y'all show are checking their watch, so... That means we better start hurrying things up if we're going to get out of here in just a few minutes. And that's what we're going to do here on the show all about the Southeast. As we continue on, y'all, a quick look at some more headlines from across the region. And we got some uplifting headlines to wrap up this end of the Monday show. How about a story coming to us from Greenville, South Carolina? A man in the upstate has gone from being homeless to helping feed the homeless. What a great story coming from Greenville. This man used to be homeless, sometimes going days without a meal and begging for food, now helping feed homeless people that he was once living among. Red Martin, his name's John Red Martin, he's a Greenvillian, and he and his wife, Cassandra run an organization called Sunday Dinner Incorporated where they feed homeless people meals on Sundays. And for Mr. Martin, the group's mission stems from his very real memories and experiences of himself being homeless. He says that he remembered days where he had to eat out of trash cans. And he met his wife, Cassandra, six years ago. Martin was still homeless at the time, but Cassandra showed him love and he had started using drugs and alcohol when he was 13 and had previously attempted suicide. But when he met his future wife, he said, she made me feel different. See, right there, we just found the answer to all of our problems in life. We just got to meet somebody who makes you feel different. And I sure hope, and I'm sure I'm right on this, this lady made him feel different in a good way. And I bet you she even made him feel what love is all about. The two have been volunteering together at a recovery house for men. And during that time, his wife related how she and her family had always spent Sunday dinners with their grandmother who cooked. So that came up. They led to the idea of cooking Sunday meals for homeless people. And now they and other volunteers feed about 125 plates of food to the homeless of Greenville, South Carolina. His wife does the cooking, and the volunteers help box it up and deliver these meals. What a great story, again, of a former homeless person, in this case, John Red Martin. He and his wife, Cassandra, coming together and helping out the good homeless people. And they are, in many cases, very good people. They just have had a tough go of it for whatever reason. And they just haven't maybe, like in Red Martin's case, found someone who made them feel different. And they maybe with that little bit of spark and that little bit of luck, they can find love. And they ought to know when they go to bed each night that there are people like Red Martin out there who love them, maybe not in a romantic way, but he's helping them and he's keeping keeping the faith and keeping them fed, at least giving them those great Sunday meals courtesy of the charity Sunday Dinner, Inc., where they feed people. Homeless meals 
on Sunday. Another touching story from the southeast. This comes to us courtesy of Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. A hotel there in Pigeon Forge has left a room empty for a couple who would come to Pigeon Forge each year for the ride run, and this couple has died. And so this past weekend, the hotel there ended up leaving a room for James and Carol Sue Surratt, who for more than 20 years would always come up for this Pigeon Forge rod run where thousands of people come to Pigeon Forge and participate in the rod run. And this couple would come for 20 years to it, but they have both died in the last year. And so they're at this hotel at the Valley Forge Inn. They honored the Surratts. In fact, I've seen a picture. I think it was taken here in the last few days. Mr. Surratt's 69 Cameron, I'm sorry, 69 Camaro was parked outside of his motel room at the Valley Forge Inn in Pigeon Forge. And this hotel taking the time to honor this couple who had come up there and stayed for 20 years in room 101 for the Rod Run. The Rod Run is a evidently an annual thing in Pigeon Forge of classic cars. And people would come from all over the country and show off their cars. In this case, the Surratt's green 1969 Camaro was always one of the mainstays. And they would park it outside their motel room there in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. The owner of Valley Forge Inn is Joe Cole, he said that when people like the Surratts visit their hotel, they become like family. And the Surratts evidently came twice a year to stay at the Valley Forge Inn. And he said that the Surratts were both Christians. They were good people. Whenever we talked, we would talk about our church. Hmm. That's a great story. I don't know all of the details. I do know that Miss Surratt died August 23rd and then... Her dad, or, or Surratt's husband, passed away two days later on August 25th. I could assume it was COVID, the cause of their death. I don't have the exact cause of death, why they died, died back in August. But all I can tell you is that at this event in Pigeon Forge this weekend, there was a room left for the late James and Carol Sue Surratt of Georgia as they would annually go to the Pigeon Forge Rod Run and way to go to Valley Forge Inn, the owner and all the folks that work there at this tourist area of Tennessee for doing such a cool thing and honoring the Surratt family. Y'all is quickly coming to an end, y'all. And we will do that. When we come right back, we're going to close out our show today with a look at what's ahead on the Y'all Show going forward the rest of this week. We are the show that covers all things Southern, and we'll be right back.
ago, you wouldn't think of galloping on a horse while doing calligraphy, and you wouldn't have attempted to ride your bike while typing a letter. Yet you think you can safely operate a multi-ton vehicle while texting? Behind the wheel is no place to multitask. If you want to BRB, drive now and text later. Lives depend on it. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. McClinton, thank you, sir, for setting us up here to wrap up this first day of the work week edition of y'all. And what do we have for the rest of the week here on the show all about the South, the show that we call the y'all show. Hey, make sure you tune in Tuesday. We're going to have more headlines coming in from across the Southeast. We'll have an ACC update. What's going on with the Atlantic Coast Conference? Boy, that conference did not perform very well this past weekend. I'm looking at you, Pitt Panthers. I'm looking at you. Who else? Oh, Miami. <laughs> they were in the top 25. They lost this past weekend. We will discuss ACC Tuesday. We'll have a Southern political report coming up here on the Y'all Show Tuesday edition, plus entertainment headlines, a Southern business interview, and more of what's to come at y'all.com going forward the rest of the week. On the Wednesday Y'all Show, we'll have a Southern accent on Southern culture coming your way Wednesday. Our barbecue barbecue barrister will be back in the fold, Matt Hermans. We'll also get some Big 12 football talk coming in from that fella when he stops by. We'll also, on our Wednesday Y'all Show, give you the great Southern book news. Who is atop the New York Times bestsellers list as we report that on Wednesday Also, we've got a look at some of the fun stuff going on across the Southeast on our Wednesday Y'all Show. Hey, Thursday, we'll see the weekend just around the corner come Thursday. But you know what? We're not going to be worried about the weekend. We're going to be worried about what's on the Y'all Show Thursday edition because we're going to have an SEC update. We'll have hashtag hullabaloo where social media stuff kind of pops up and we'll relay that to you on our Thursday show. Also, more entertainment headlines and a whole lot of country music news and notes coming your way on Thursday's Y'all Show. We'll also, in the last hour, start breaking down some of the great festivals taking place across the Southeast coming up here on this September weekend. And then we come to the weekend. It's our Friday Y'all Show. Our first hour is the Y'all Kickoff Show. We'll walk through all of the big college football games on Saturday. General Gridiron will do his southern prognostication that only General Gridiron will do. That comes your way in the first hour 
of our Friday Y'all Show, Craig Faulkner. He's going to be filing a hot new fishing forecast for the weekend. Plus, we'll have our Friday free for y'all. And also on the Friday Y'all Show, we'll let you know all about more festivals taking place over the weekend. So it's a busy, busy week ahead here on the Y'all Show. And we thank you for being on with us, whether you're listening to us on one of our great affiliates or if you're listening to us on the iHeart app, the TuneIn app, also Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Thank you. And we're, of course, available at y'all.com, the South's homepage. We'll see y'all back here on the Tuesday Y'all Show. Have a great rest of y'all's day. Mm-hmm.